Hey, thanks for hanging in there in the new show called The Guests of the Maji. It's no longer gifts because I have guests and uh, the wordplay still works. Sorry if it's been a big gap. I probably should rename the show Faulty Towers with how long it's been. But uh, I am very confident this will be episode number four with my latest guest, Jake. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. You sure? <laughs> well, I guess we'll see how this goes, I suppose. That's right. You can assure the audience and the police at home that there is no weapon, that you are here of your complete free will. <laughs> show, show everybody today's paper that we've got it documented. So, Jake, we've been friends for a couple of years now. This is really cool because we've had guests that have been friends for at least a decade, so we've got somebody who's fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not stale. <laughs> And you recall how we met? I do, yes. Uh, it was perfect, actually, the way that it kind of all lined up. We uh, met at a watch party for Marquette Basketball. We both went to Marquette, and I had just moved here into, to Austin, Texas, and I was looking to find some people that you know had similar interests, end up going to this watch party, and we met and chatted the uh, entire time, and um, that's how we became friends. I know. Every watch party, it's butler. They should just call it a butler watch party. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like we play butler 20 times every season. I don't know what's going on, but I, every time I see a game, it's against butler. Maybe maybe we get like a subway card, you know, fifth game's free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was also coincidence that we have the same employer who will remain nameless. Mm-hmm. But you were new in town, and I had been here for over like 20 years. Mm-hmm. So it worked out pretty well, despite that uh, I'm old enough to be your dad. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it was really nice, actually, because I didn't know really anything about this uh, place in general. Like, the only thing I knew about it was Austin City Limits. Um, so it was nice to have a friend who not only had similar interests, but also could tell me about what's going on in town, what's the cool places, what's fun things to do. And uh, I've learned a ton uh, just going through different things uh whatnot. That's pretty cool. So you'd never been to Austin before you just showed up. Yeah, no, actually, (laughs) the funny thing about that is, yeah, never had been to Austin. When I was looking at jobs, I used to live in Washington, D.C., and I really like the city, don't get me wrong, but the the job I was working prior, uh, I did not like it much. I was working in banking, and I was looking at different places for jobs. Uh, One time, one of my friends said, have you been to Austin? And I told him no. And he looked at me and said, you kind of have an Austin vibe, and that's it. That's all I had known about it. So when I was looking at jobs, I was like, why not include it as a potential place to live? Uh, ended up finding this, this role, and it's perfect. So, Well, good choice. I would agree, and my producer, Kathy, to my left would agree, I think he has the Austin vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I appreciate that. He's, he's allowed. He's invited as opposed to all the other people we're getting from Florida, Arizona, the uglier cities of Texas. <laughs> we also have a lot of California people. It's funny, so since I've been here, I feel like I've met 95% Californians. So, and then a, a small little handful of Midwesterners. It's very hard to find somebody who's actually from Texas that <laughs> lives here, or at least maybe, you know, on the outskirts of Austin, you can find them a lot easier. But in, in Austin, it's, it's pretty funny, yeah. Yeah. And just like you, the only thing I remember too was Austin City Limits. Mm-hmm. Did you find out embarrassingly that it's not recorded outside? It's a soundstage. No, I, I didn't. I did not know that. Um, my dad actually sent me some videos, and when I first saw like clips of it, I was super confused because it didn't look like a festival—the one that they have like uh, the clips for and whatnot. 
So it kind of felt like just like a, a big ruse. Everything was a lie to me when I first saw it. But I ended up going to both weekends last year. And I'll tell you, I learned very quickly, you should not go to both weekends. I, I got like a uh, sinus infection. I had dust all in like my lungs. I felt like I had partied for like a year straight and it was just two weekends. So definitely took some uh, years off my life, I imagine, but very fun, very fun. The, the Zilker Park Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Well, when I moved here, there was no festival. It was just, it's a TV show that's been on yeah. public TV since the 70s. And before I moved here, I watched it. And it was a, I remember very clear. It was an episode uh, with Roseanne Cash and Carlene Carter. And they're up on the stage and there's this skyline and trees and I thought I saw a wind. I was like, wow, the weather in Austin is so great. This show is so cool. It's so cool how they do it outside. Mm-hmm. Get here, they're, no, it's not. It's on the sixth floor of the communications building at UT. Are you yeah. stupid? Yeah, no, it, it like almost looks too perfect when you watch it now, knowing that they don't actually film those uh, sessions out at the festival and whatnot. Their hair is just a little too perfect. They don't have the dust everywhere. You don't have people screaming drunk in the background. That should have been the telltale sign. I didn't hear any drunk screaming, so. That same idiot yelling free bird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I did get to go to one taping over 20 years ago. It was Fountains of Wayne at the old building before mm-hmm. they moved it to the Moody. It was really cool because they have fake trees. They make it look outside. Really? Yes. And then before they start the cameras rolling, they blow dry ice smoke to create depth. Really? That's really smart. I never even thought about that. It was very clever. And they tell the crowd, get excited. But the sound levels are not deafening. Mm-hmm. But the problem is it's still television where they have to edit. And I remember their hit, Stacy's Mom was being played to death. And the director said, can you redo that from the second verse? And you could see the look on Adam Schlesinger and Chris Collins would say, this song is going to be on my tombstone. I don't want to play it anymore. <laughs> you could just yeah. tell they were pissed. They were, you're not doing this again. It was a great show. They played for over an hour. And then I was really excited to see it on TV. It took about three months before it was on. Mm-hmm. And they cut it in half to share it with some guy named Jason Mraz. I was so <laughs> mad. I wanted to see all the other things like Great Future in Sales, yeah. uh, Radiation Vibe, Sink to the Bottom. No, it was just... Well, I had a good time and it was free. Yeah, I mean, that's the unfortunate reality for a lot of those bands that have like one really, really big song and all the rest are not as popular. I'm sure the majority of those bands just live long enough to hate that song significantly. Like, obviously, you know, Fountains of Wayne and whatnot. But um, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that they have the tapings for free and they mash them all up. And you also have to, like, be there when they re-record different verses. But that, you know what that reminds me of is my dad's friend was on um, The Biggest Loser. Uh, so the TV show, reality TV show, where the guy has to lose, has to lose as much weight as possible, right? Right. And he was in the final three. And when you're in the top three, they have a big celebration at your hometown. So we were invited to go. They had like a big event in Milwaukee for it. And when they come out, you get excited, right? You clap, you cheer, you're super excited to see them. And they do the final weigh-in. However, since they're filming it, they had to do the walk-in entrance like seven times because people were saying dumb things in the audience or like he stumbled or whatnot. So by like the fifth time, we're like, they're pretending to be super excited, clapping, like as if it's the first time we saw him. <laughs> I just was so exhausted with, you know, the constantly having to pretend like it's the first time it, uh, he was walking out. But it's super interesting seeing the behind the scenes for stuff like that and realizing kind of how it's all played up and whatnot. 
Yeah, you think it's magic, and then you find out it's sausage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So we also hang out uh, whenever the, the admirals, Milwaukee yeah. admirals, come to town. We go see them play uh, my my torn loyalty to the stars versus <laughs> yeah. admirals. And those darn admirals, they destroyed my hopes of another Calder Cup this year. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Actually, I was at the uh, HEB Center, which is where they normally play for a rodeo on Friday. And I looked up and I saw the banners. And there's like a little spot that's missing. And I was like, my boys did that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Not the first time either. Yeah. yeah. What can you say? Milwaukee's been in that league. Well, actually, they've had a professional team called the Admirals since the late 60s. Oh, wow. I didn't and know that well. And they've been in every league you can name but the NHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's funny, actually, because the so where the Milwaukee Bucks used to play it was the Bradley Center. And the um, Bradley Center, I'm sure you're familiar with this, was originally created to attract a hockey team to Milwaukee. You think Wisconsin, you think hockey, right? That would make sense. It didn't end up working. I think that team ended up becoming the Minnesota Wild, if I remember correctly, maybe something else. I can bore you with the truth. Yeah. I was with the Milwaukee Sentinel uh-huh. uh, as a sports agate, nothing important. When that, <laughs> when that was announced, the teams went to uh, San Jose, mm-hmm. or uh, no, it wasn't San Jose, it was Tampa, okay. Lightning, and the Ottawa Senators. So okay. everybody was excited about Ottawa getting a team. It was like, oh, Canada deserves another team. Tampa was, huh? Yeah. But the Bradley family, who was in the running to get a team, when they found out, they would have to pay a $50 million fee mm-hmm. for 10 years that would be divided between the North Stars, who were still there, yeah, and the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. They said, you've got to be kidding. Oh, wow. So they could have had a team if they just wanted to pay up, huh? If they wanted to cough up $500 million, $500 million for a decade. Wow. Because the NHL was saying, well, Milwaukee will pull people away from Chicago. Yeah, why don't you go talk to Dollar Bill Wirtz about that problem? <laughs> yeah. And Minneapolis, if you really put pedal to the metal, you can get there in six hours one way. Yeah. So I really doubt the North Stars, who then left for Dallas within two years anyway, mm-hmm. did it matter. Yeah, that's crazy. And we're back. Uh, if you didn't notice or feel less irritated, we fixed the level on my mic so I don't seem so far away, way, 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 way. <laughs> we were finishing up with hockey, so you can wake up now. We've done other things. We went to stand-up comedy. I dragged you to Moon Tower. Yeah, we, we ended up going to, what, like four or five shows in one night also. Um, I think it was just two, but it was a showcase with the Sklar Brothers. Yeah. Oh, maybe it was just two. Yeah, it was the Sklar Brothers where they punched up everybody's routine and yeah. I proved to you that, yes, I do know Dana Gould. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that was actually really interesting because That's after um, you gave him something, I forgot what it was, but money. you talked to him. Oh, yeah, it was, he was really cool, though. So. Well, yeah, I give him money because he self-produces a, a, two, a TV show on YouTube called Hanging with Dr. Z, where he puts, he's a big Planet of the Apes fan, and he puts on all the makeup to look like Dr. Zayas from Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. and he hosts an old-timey Hollywood show. It's really silly. <laughs> no, but it was, it was super fun. Um, it's also really interesting because the second show we went to, there were some of the comics that were in the original show. And during the original show, as Steve was saying, like they would work on a routine and then the Scars Brothers would come out and say, it'd be funny if you did this instead. And in the second show, two of them, I believe, uh, from that show were there and they had changed it up to include those jokes. And they, they were right, actually. I think the jokes were a lot funnier, but it was really cool to see kind of how you know the sausage is made, if you will. 
It is funny that comedians even use uh, festivals for sh workshopping their stuff. Yeah, yeah. It actually made it funnier though because it's like then they come out and they like riff on the original jokes um, and some of the like ideas they had of how to improve the joke were really bad which actually made it even funnier so it was also good to meet uh, I didn't get to meet her but I never heard of Lisa Walter and mm -hmm. now I'm gonna start watching Abbott Elementary yeah no she was really funny um, very very powerful woman too like she I, I don't know if it was just because of the way the stage was but she seemed like super tall and like really powerful and holding the mic and kind of like really into it and she said I think it was like her first time doing stand-up or something like that or one of the like few that she's done but she she killed it so well, I follow her on Twitter she's touring mm -hmm. okay. and a lot of comedians are touring right now due to the writer's strike oh yeah actually I didn't even think about that um, yeah but she made that joke that your generation knows her as the nanny from the remake of the parent trap yep yep that's a hundred percent I thought of it so I'm, I'm gonna have to hold my nose and watch it I can't stand What's her name? Lindsay Lohan. Oh, yeah, no. And you can't stand her. She's in it. She's two characters in it because she's both of the twins. So Twice the really, awfulness. Yeah. No, but she, she's actually really good in the remake. Um, and it's like young her, so there's none of like the uh, stuff that came later in her life. But it's one of those like comfort movies I have because I remember watching it all the time when I was young. And my, my family would go up to northern Wisconsin to my grandma's cabin. And a lot of times during the night we had nothing to do besides watch movies. And one time we were up there. There was horrible thunderstorms, everything, uh, all the power went out, and we were stuck there for like, you know, two days, no power, and it was raining and, and terrible outside, and all we had was this little portable DVD player, so my sister, mom, and I, like, cuddled up, and we watched Parent Trap like three different times over the course of two days, and I've seen it enough after that, I'll tell you. <laughs> That's funny. And then we've been to concerts, we saw They Might Be Giants, Death yep. Cab for Cutie, what else did we, have we done any other shows lately? I think I think it was just those two. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head if there is any more. No, I think it's just those. And then you were there to prove I also got a hug from a cutie. <laughs> yeah. I think she gave me COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's every time we go to one of those shows. It's the the funny thing. It, it's funny watching Steve interact with people there because there's always somebody that Steve knows there, and I'm just like, how do you know somebody everywhere? It's it's pretty interesting. Um, but those shows were really fun. Big fan of both, but I think They Might Be Giants uh, was hilarious, and I definitely would recommend, because the only song I really knew by them was Dr. Worm and Istanbul, not Constantinople, but their whole show, they're like, they sing a song, stop, make some kind of joke as like a, you know, way to pass the time where they're setting something up, and very interactive. I, I loved it. It was like, it was more than just like them playing music. It was like a whole experience. Yeah, they're very funny. Mm -hmm. And they've done so many TV anthems, too. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't do the theme song to Malcolm in the Middle. I was so surprised uh, when, when they played. Well, the focus was the anniversary of Flood. Mm, yeah. So yeah. they kept so it they, there. The but they've also, they've also done Oblongs. They've done some stuff for The Spy That Shagged Me. Mm -hmm. Gosh, there's, there's so many TV shows I've forgotten. That, oh, they wrote the original Daily Show theme. Really? Yeah. They've done so much. That's insane. They wrote that one in the 90s, and then it was covered by Bob Mould, and then... It's been changed up, but they wrote that. Yeah, they're super creative. And you can you can tell, like, the dynamic uh, of the two guys is perfect because I, I don't remember their names, but the... It's easy. They're both John. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, one of the Johns, super funny, charismatic, and, like, works the crowd. And the other John, it feels like, is, like, setting the, the stage and the emotion and environment and whatnot. So they mesh really well together. And, like, they're kind of... They were riffing back and forth, like, making jokes about each other. 
um, it was it was a blast. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. It was well, awesome. I hope we have other shows because they were both at that wonderful Moody where they do now shoot Austin City Limits. Yeah. It, they've also changed how you get tickets. It used to be uh, John Ailey, who was the original morning guy for KUT, he would say, there's ticket. He'd have that soft NPR voice. <laughs> and you, he would say, tickets are 10 o'clock in the morning today. you got to get to the UT campus. So, of course, people who had flexible day jobs or no job could rush down there and get yeah. it because they're free, like all TV shows. Now they do it by lottery, which is much nicer. But yeah. I got to go because, thankfully... My friend's parents cut very big checks to KUT and, <laughs> and, and, and uh, what's the TV station? KRLU, I think. Yeah, I think it's KLRU is the call letters for the TV station. So they, they cut some big checks. Checks big enough that when my friend got married, they made an announcement on KUT around 6.15 in the evening, the oh, day wow. of the wedding. Like primetime TV. Right, wow. right, during the middle of All Things Considered. That's crazy, wow. What an NPR nerd I am. <laughs> so moving along, then of course we talk to each other all the time mm -hmm. at work through Slack channel. That's not a secret, everybody's got Slack now. Yeah, Every no, it's crazy. I, I remember using Slack when I was like a sophomore in college and I was like, oh, this is a fun like little, you know, techy kind of platform that you know small creators will use and then i get to our employer and they use it i'm like oh my goodness i can't believe how many big companies use it it's kind of surprising me oh well, i figured you were raised on aim yeah well so when i was really young yeah definitely oh my gosh don't even don't remind me of aim that my username was like slayer x man like i remember like <laughs> i'd be late at night my mom would be like oh it's time for you to go to bed i'd be like yeah i'm going to bed and then just jump on my computer and go on aim Oh, those are good good memories. Oh man, well, mine was very unimaginative. So, <laughs> I all I remember is I told my dad when he was making my like original email, I was like, the letter X is super cool, and like I like RuneScape. I was like, can you make me something like that? And he came up with Slayer X Band. So I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and you also now I only recently found out that you play D and D, which yeah. I should have known, being from Wisconsin, it's mandatory. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Wisconsin, Lake Geneva is where it all began. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I have been playing D&D kind of on and off with a group of buddies uh, that I grew up with, actually. The DM I've known since I was like four years old. And we do a few campaigns. It's, it's been kind of a, a mishmash. But my favorite thing, as I was telling you, is I try to see how much the DM will let me get away with. So, for example, he'll spend... Let's say all week coming up with a plan and an idea and a character, and I'm like, what if? Just hear me out. What if I just use like this special item I have to cook a dinner that could like kill them right now? We could get around this, you know, stuff like that. So it's it's really fun, and I think it's a great way to like kind of experience uh, creativity on a regular basis because even though you're following campaign, this really kind of leaves you open to do whatever you want. Hmm. So what you're saying is, I've been the dungeon master most of my life, and I see it as a film director. So what you're trying to tell me is you're Marlon Brando. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. What if I, what if I don't memorize my lines and I just, uh, my baby's super bad. I just have my lines on the diaper so it sounds more organic. Yeah. Which is really what he did. Yeah, yeah. No, or um, have you ever seen The Godfather mm -hmm. where he's talking and he's got, I think he's like getting lint off of something. Yep. The lines were on the watermelon. He, he, won't, he wouldn't memorize anything. Yeah. I could just see the director's like, Fine, whatever, fatso. <laughs> and he also, I always think of him, because didn't he have like cotton balls in his like cheeks to, to get that voice? I, I think he did. Yeah. I think he did. Which, that's got to be so annoying, but also it's such a funny little tidbit that 
I, I love again similar like the the behind the scenes stuff of you know movies and like the shows and whatnot. And yeah. Seeing stuff like that is so funny to me. Well, just just keep in mind if we play, mm-hmm. I'm not the opponent. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. That's that's well, I, I think it'd be fine. Quickly, but yeah. I, but I think if people understood the dungeon master is a, a film director, not the opposition. Right, right. That's fine. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll mm-hmm. get around to that. But one thing that really bums me out is. After you were born, you were a little kid, Gen Con, the mother of all D&D conventions, left. Yeah. Left the motherland, and it's in India Crapolis these days. <laughs> and I think it's only fitting because COVID outbreak has been reported. Some people coming back from Gen Con have come oh, down wow. with COVID. But also a coworker who came back from Las Vegas has it too, so I'm like, oh no. Yeah, yikes. That's one thing that's been kind of uh, interesting, the, the pre-life, or po- sorry, post-COVID life. It, I feel like we're at the point now where we kind of treat it as if it's not a big deal or doesn't exist, and it, it, this is a perfect example of it's still very much so out there and still very much so easy to get and give it. So yeah, I figure if I ignore it, it'll just go away like everything else in my right. life. Right, and you know what's funny too? It's like I feel like you can't even get normal sick now. You're either you have COVID or you're fine. It's super weird. Um, so like in this example, if I came home from a convention or something like that and I had a cough, I'd be like, oh, I have COVID. There's nothing, nothing else. So, Or that's the problem with allergies in Austin. They think we all have COVID when we're just hacking and no <laughs> hacking and wheezing is normal here. We don't know. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, maybe. But uh, and I've never seen so much pollen in my life. Too. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, if you come to Austin, especially in the spring, your car will be covered with so much tree snot it is not funny oh yeah no my car so i in my apartment complex there's like a parking garage as you guys saw but the top floor which there's usually open spots and i have to park there sometimes completely open and my car it's a black honda fit and now you think it's yellow because of how much pollen is on it it looks like i got like a new detail trim on it but it's just it's just gross tree pollen stuff and it's on the fourth floor of a parking garage i don't know how the pollen got up there but it's amazing yeah it finds a way. It's yellow snow, as per Frank Zappa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish I wish you were old enough for it stage so you could go to Gen Con. It was really something. I got to go in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So I was going to Marquette. It was part trade show, part nerd gathering. It's, it is the foundation of everything that's followed since, mm-hmm. along with San Diego, of people wearing costumes, contests. It's just got a lot more good-looking women now. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's why I had to take it out of the out of Wisconsin, I yeah. guess, probably, huh? <laughs> yeah, get, too many beer goggles. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want the ladies to get beer goggles. That's where the issue was. It wasn't the men. They saw enough people wearing Green Bay Packers stuff, and they said, "Nope, we gotta move it out of here." <laughs> Woman with shadow run book. <laughs> Actually, I do. When I was when I worked for a game company briefly. I did see, and it, she wasn't old enough for me to bug. I was in my 20s, but she was like a teenager, and she was attractive for a teenager, and she had a Shadowrun book, and I asked her, you really play that? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, just make it sure. <laughs> no, I'm holding it for my kid brother. Okay, that would be more believable. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, the more um, I've gotten, like, older, the more I realize that games, gaming in general has reached such a wide audience now. Like, I feel like even 10 years ago... My friends and I would joke about like seeing girls play like video games similar that we did, and now it's kind of normal, commonplace, and it's, which is great. I love it, and it it's a testament to the the gaming industry being able, you know, to bring people of all different kinds uh, around and to enjoy experiences. However, it has been ruined by some big game companies. I won't name any of them, but there's some that are upsetting with the microtransactions, in my opinion. So. Oh, the online thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's. 
There's always been some kind of complaint of that. Yeah. What's a microtransaction? Um, Kathy would like to know what a microtransaction is. Would you like to explain, Jake, since you're young and hip? Yeah. Well, so the way I see microtransactions, and it, there's probably a better definition, but it's essentially when you're playing a game and there's the ability to buy something, whether it be cosmetic or that helps you in the game. And a lot of games nowadays, you have to almost buy microtransaction products in order to be good. So, for example, if you have like a game like Madden, let's say a football game, you can do microtransactions to purchase, let's say, coins or players to add to your team. So all the people who are the best at it have spent a lot of money doing so to get the best players. And that's one example. Lots of games do this. Um, and it's kind of... I feel like it ruins a lot of fun games. So there's people with a lot of money who could just say, I'm going to buy the Troy Aikman-era Cowboys. Yes, 100%, yeah. That's lame. Yeah, I didn't earn that. that. Yeah, well, like, some of the, the more popular like first-person shooter games also do that now and stuff like that. And... I just want to have like a little whimsical fun time after work. I don't want to have to play against somebody who spent a thousand dollars on the game who can smoke me yet. So that sounds so sad. Yeah. Uh, going quick aside, it was my complaint too. I loved Rock Band mm -hmm. because I love music. Yeah. So of course, my band name in the game was Shampoo Planet, which is Douglas Coupland's second novel, and they had the artwork and it looked really great. But then you go and you look at the leaderboards, and there's these band names are just torrents of profanity yeah and you know these are these are just kids who are like i'll just win the game and you're like yeah. you don't win at rock and roll kid yeah it's experience you, got, yeah. you, you come to vibe you don't come to beat somebody especially right. in rock band or guitar hero yeah yeah i mean unless it's the devil okay but you have to outplay the devil you don't do a thing where his guitar string breaks because you hit the right button right but how did you get started in D, &D real quickly was it your parents friends yeah no um I think it's kind of funny you ask because so when I was living in DC, I was really big into acting. I still kind of am, and like I used to do stuff like um, you know shows like Forensic Files where they have background uh, and they show like a um, a recreation of a scene. So I did a bunch of stuff like that. So there's like a bunch of random episodes. You could probably see me as like uh, uh, the son or the brother of somebody in one of those shows. And I was telling my friend how I'm like, I love like the acting element, but I want to be more creative and whatnot. And he said, hey, I, I do D&D. Um, it sounds exactly like what you're looking for. Let's try it. And I had played, you know, a, a one shot campaign where we spent three hours and finished it all in one go, maybe like five years prior. But he invited me and this would have been like maybe four or five years ago. And I, I loved it. I was like, I can create this character, this persona, and I can think as if I'm them instead of, you know, what I would do or what would my character do. I can help craft this world. You know, like you're saying, the DM is, is your, your friend there. You're working with them. And it's just like this aspect of being something more and kind of having the creative outlet. Um, that's kind of how I got started. So it was just he he heard my interest and said, join me. So Wow. I did. We'll put, we'll get back to the acting later. Do you have a headshot for us? <laughs> I, not no, not a, not a recent one. It's who, funny because who represents you? <laughs> I don't have. I'm trying to get representation. It doesn't work very well and in Texas. There's not a whole lot of opportunities, so I'm kind of just. There is know. local theater. I, yeah. I know somebody who worked in a local theater. If you're interested, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. Now we're going to get on to the best, the better part of the show, because we're through the first half, which is all about me, 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 <laughs> <laughs> how it's related to me. And also, there are other former graduates of, not former, they did graduate. <laughs> yeah. This is, I'm not friends with Scott Walker. <laughs> and here's a horrible fact. 
I was there when he was there. Really? Well, wasn't he only there like a year or something like that before it dropped couple, out? A couple. He didn't finish. Yeah. Not to mock our alma mater, but it's not impossible to finish at Marquette. No, it's not Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you put effort into it, you should be able to finish up, especially if you're going to be like a governor or somebody in politics in Wisconsin. So. Or the county executive at the least. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes on to be the governor. And we, what a clown. Yeah. Big time. But um, I did not know him personally. I knew him indirectly because he was, he was the only one. He was part of this clique of people who were, were teenagers, early 20s, with greasy Reagan hair. I'm not kidding. In the 80s, that was not it. The mullet, the fade, mm-hmm. that was in. Not that greasy Reagan thing. I'm picturing, like, uh, the sharks and the jets. Like <laughs> Almost. Like the Fonz, but worse. Okay. But not cool. Not cool. Maybe Lenny and Squiggy. Yeah. We could go with that. And they were the young Republicans. And it's the 80s. Now, printed T-shirts are not common, but these are people... In college, wearing collared shirts and like they're at work already. Yeah, you know, khakis. You know, like what we would now call a startup. It was like you're in school. What, man, why do you look like you're in a blue white collared job already? <laughs> yeah. And they're you know, woo Reagan, woo Bush, and he was part of that. And mm-hmm. I do remember the election, but I was very much more involved with Marquette Radio. Yeah. And I voted for the other guy because everybody else was like, oh go with this guy, and this other guy who was the program director had a DeLorean. That's pretty cool. No, it's broken most of the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's cool to look at, I suppose. Yeah. It's not it, it like was cool. It. I, got, I did get a ride in it once when it was operational. Yeah. The, the one of like seven rides it probably worked for. Yeah. And two of them were used for Back to the Future. Yeah. And uh, Warwick was the guy's name. He endorsed that guy. So I voted for him or whatever. I didn't care. And then I read the story later and found out that Scott Walker was the opponent. Mm-hmm. And what had happened was, I think they still have the Marquette Tribune, the school paper. Yep. Right. The Marquette Tribune looked at the two candidates for school president or class president or whatever it is, and they said, based on their platforms, this and that, we find them pretty much the same. We're not crazy about either. But if push comes to shove, we endorse that guy, the guy who has the Pink Floyd slogan, because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> no more turning away was his slogan. Walker and his acolytes were so upset. They were so mad and so childish. The next day, they went around everywhere the Marquette Tribune was distributed and picked them up and threw them in the trash. Wow. That does so not people, surprise me. I know. So no one would see this endorsement that maybe 10% of the campus cared. Mm-hmm. So he was suspended for destruction of school property. For Good, that. yeah. I mean, especially with all the hard work that would go into writing well, and yeah, stuff that, like that, let alone destroying it for stupid reasons like that. Yeah. Right. Despite the advertising that is in the, in the Tribune, which is a story for another day, that still costs the, the, the paper is still operated at a loss. No, yeah. Because no, it's, let's play newspaper. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the school is pretty PO'd about that. And the Tribune redid, doubled down on their endorsement and said, oh, we completely endorse this guy. <laughs> yeah. Because Scott Walker has proven he lacks the maturity. I mean, he's trying to censor to speech. I mean, that, that alone should have been like a red flag. Well, being from communication and journalism and so forth, it's not censorship because it's not the government. Right, It's right. still him being a big baby. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that was the whole thing. And the fact that he dropped out, I'm not surprised. I, I've already written a couple of nasty emails to Marquette, too, about, oh, we're so proud he's alumni. I'm like, he didn't graduate. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't graduate, okay? I mean, based on your standards, Pol Pot is alumni. <laughs> no, that's 
okay, I'm not going to put Pol Pot in the same neighborhood as Scott Walker because Pol Pot could actually read. <laughs> so we'll get on to about you. So let's talk about Jake. So you were you born in Milwaukee? Born in? I know you were raised there. You were yeah. from the northern burbs. Now let me see if I got it right. Mequon? Yep, yep. All right, I was good. My other guest was Brown Deer. Yeah, I mean, they're right next to each other. But yeah, I, I was uh, raised in Mequon. Um, spent, obviously, most of my time in Milwaukee. It's, I mean technically like 10 minutes away from Milwaukee, but the actual downtown would be like 20, 25 minutes uh, to downtown Milwaukee. So most of my time was spent there, but obviously, you know, Mech One has a place in my heart, um, one of the suburbs, so. And that's also where the cloned mall is, Northridge Mall? Because there's North there's north and South, yep. two identical malls. Well, and Northridge is, it was shut down long ago, unfortunately, and that the land is, is still, used by the empty building and it, it's terrifying to look when you drive by every time every time i drive by it at night i like it like the chills it looks like a place where like people would go ghost hunting or something now so it's this giant empty mall yep empty yep and it's just sitting there and i think the people who own the land refuse to sell it because they want i, I don't know they want some huge premium or something but it's yeah it's still there Dang, I gotta yeah. look it up on the internet. There is a website called deadmalls.org. <laughs> yeah, this would be perfect. Or maybe they shot the, uh, there is a film version of Five Nights at Freddy's coming mm, up. Yeah. I'm sure they had their choice of empty malls. Chuck E. Cheese's. Yeah. So you grew up there, you went to school, you went to the various schools, mm-hmm. and then, and your mom is a graduate of Marquette Law School, but not Marquette. She yeah. went, but she went to Mad City? Yeah, she, she went to Madison, uh, and afterwards, obviously, went to Marquette Law School. I think like immediately after and her and my dad practiced law together afterwards that they met at Marquette Law School um, they had their own independent practice for a little while after that and then she ended up not finding being a lawyer very fun and I do not blame her so she ended up uh, pursuing other uh, areas she's not a lawyer anymore no no she's not but my dad still is so does he still practice in Wisconsin yeah yep and you know what's so cool I did I bet you know this Wisconsin only has two law schools for the whole state. I did not know that, no. Yes. So your parents attending Marquette, or if they attended UW over in Madison, you automatically pass the Wisconsin bar. Really? Yes. I did not know that. Yep. Which drives people who graduated from the posh schools nuts. Yeah. Because they have to pass the bar. In Texas, we've got so many law schools, they might as well just say Whataburger. (laughs) Yeah. There are law schools in this state. Is you know... So many, and I'm not trying, I have friends that are lawyers, so don't sue me. I, you know I can't afford it. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. It's very unusual that Wisconsin is that way. But yeah. then I'm sure they come the easy jokes. Like, are they really good at dairy law? <laughs> Mostly just like law around like farms and whatnot. You know, yeah. like cows, cows rights in Wisconsin are insane. How <laughs> much milk fat must be in this cheese? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. So what does your mom do then if she's not a lawyer? Uh, So right now she is in finance. So similar to me, uh, but she works for a like a what's the word? Like HVAC plumbing supply conglomerate that has a a branch in Wisconsin right now. So cool. And she could keep them out of trouble. Yeah. Well, (laughs) sometimes when you when you see how all that stuff goes together, it's it's amazing that we even have like working like toilets and whatnot in in the in the country. So because they're kind of all a big mess. But that's just kind of how uh, big companies are sometimes. Did you didn't you grow up watching Beekman's World? It's all air pressure, (laughs) air pressure, water pressure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that's cool. It's still useful because I have one friend, her father went to law school Mm -hmm. and went right to journalism, never practiced law. Really? And I have another friend, 
He never passed the bar. Doesn't mean he's stupid. It's just, it's a hard test. Think, yeah, incredibly. But his studies in law are still very helpful for him, especially when he had to rent out property. Mm -hmm. So there is an upside to Oh yeah, this. I mean, I'm sure you learned so much that is useful in life. I mean, laws are incredibly confusing arcane. and arcane, arcane yeah, especially yeah. in America. So it, any, any kind of experience with that, I feel like is super beneficial. Cool. So you grew up here, not here, you grew up there in Milwaukee and so forth. So why'd you go to Marquette? Didn't you want to like get away from home, get away from your family, get away from where you've been all your life? Because, uh, well, Kathy went to UT here in Austin. She grew up in Austin. But for me, even though I moved around growing up, I couldn't wait to get away. Yeah. I had to be somewhere else. Yeah, it's it's funny actually. So when I originally was looking at colleges, I did want to get out of Wisconsin. I, I wanted to mainly get out of the Midwest, but um, at the time I was really into film, uh, the acting stuff, cinematography. So I was looking at schools and a lot of those are New York, LA. The problem is with New York and LA, very expensive. So I looked at a bunch of schools all around. Um, all the schools that I was interested in um, were obviously outside of Wisconsin at the time. Couldn't afford them. And I looked at a bunch of schools in Wisconsin. And I, I liked Whitewater. I liked Marquette. But um, again, expensive was going to be difficult. So originally I was going to, I settled on Whitewater. That way um, I could go, wouldn't have any issues with like big loans and whatnot. And I remember I really wanted to go to Marquette if I was going to stay in Wisconsin. But again, couldn't afford it. And I, I remember my family, we were on vacation. I want to believe, uh, I want to say Florida. And I got an email from Marquette and it said, um, check like click here to log in and check your scholarships and awards and i logged in and i saw i had a like essentially a full ride and i said to myself i'm going to marquette i guess <laughs> wow your yeah. grades must have been stellar no i, I think a little maybe a little nepotism because a lot of people in my family went there but uh but yeah no it's uh it, it completely changed because i always said i go into whitewater um and then yeah just that email alone i was like i guess i'm going to marquette it's it's too good you know? would you fall under legacy uh i I'm not sure. I, I imagine I would have, yeah. Um, but when I remember when, like, I went through the, like, the application process and talking to people, and whatnot. I didn't want to get in based on the nepotism. Now with the scholarships, I'll take that once I got accepted. But <laughs> you'd be um, anybody would be a fool to turn it down. Yeah, but, uh, uh, racist, whatever. I don't care if free ride anybody take it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I'm sure. I'm sure. Technically, yeah, I would fall under legacy. Okay, that's better than I got, but <laughs> I don't care. I'm, I'm still for student loan forgiveness, even though mine have been paid off since, wow, 20 years. I can't believe I pulled it off. Yeah, wow, yeah. Because there was a lot of ramen. <laughs> so, well, it's like, it's interesting, too, because when I graduated, it was uh, like, I don't know, I want to say like seven or eight months before COVID happened, and then they paused all student loans. So, um since I have been graduated, I've only had to pay maybe like one or two months total of student loan, like debt or whatever, because I still had like a little bit at, in my senior year because the scholarships and grants didn't uh, cover all four years for all of them. So, um, but I, yeah, they, they, I haven't had like any interest charge whatsoever and I graduated in 2019. So that's pretty good. Yeah. I have no jealousy about that. I am all in favor. <laughs> no, I'm in favor of anybody getting an education. Yeah. So, and you went to Marquette, and you chose business, right? Yep. So, yep. Uh, was it still the David Strass building, yep. the business? Yes. Yes, that, the, the very old, kind of uh, decrepit-looking building. But it, it does have a place in my heart, or I guess it did. I mean, it's, I believe they're tearing it down, or already did, to replace it with a new business school. 
Um, but yeah, it was. I remember the the great uh, the great link to class migration where the Straz has one or had one elevator that was incredibly slow, and you could tell like you could you could tell how people cared about classes based on if they were waiting at the elevator versus taking the stairs with like one minute left to go because there's no way anybody who's ever at that elevator made it to class on time. It was so slow, but. Uh, it, very very charming building uh, is, is how I describe it. I never had any memory of the elevator. It was pretty. It was a pretty decent shape when I was there in the eighties. But mm-hmm. another quick aside: I was after I graduated, I still hung. I wound up hanging out there a lot because they had a lab that was wide open and had Macintoshes. Yeah, yeah. Which is hilarious because Macintosh is not the computer of business anymore. It's now well, you have Windows, you have Excel. It's, yep. We have all that. But they had this lab that was open all day long, filled with Macintosh's SEs, mm-hmm. which was, oh my God, they've got built-in hard drives. Ooh, I'll never <laughs> fill it. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I spent a lot of my time cutting my teeth as a typesetter after I graduated and hung out because the I went to the school, the journalism one, which at the time was Johnston, which was the former dormitory of the, the Jesuits that lived there yeah. at the turn of the century. Yeah, Johnston Hall. I believe it's still there. Um, I think it's still used for that. So Yeah, now they call it Diederich. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, get, the, I get the panhandling of, hey, you want to give some money? Um, yep. Well, maybe. I don't know. They, they did not wait for me. I think I was graduated for maybe like a month before I started getting those emails and calls like, hey, you want to donate? I'm like, I'm still paying back stuff. What do you want from me? You know, like... <laughs> So you went into business. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. I have friends who also did in business, so that's great. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, no, and it's funny because I, I was explaining earlier how like I was looking at film and, and theater and cinematography and stuff like that, but a lot of people in my family were in finance or accounting, and I thought it was really interesting. And when I went to Marquette, they had this program called the Applied Investment Management Program where there's about $2.5 million of the endowment is used in the, this separate program. You pitch stocks and you get like a certain uh, sector. And I was super fascinated by it. Every week we'd pitch stocks and I ended up uh, going into that. And that's kind of really what enthralled me to business, so. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and I was, I, I remember my sector was international financials. So nobody ever got any of the stuff I was talking about. I remember I had to I had to learn uh, like roughly how to understand a little bit of like Portuguese and Chinese because I would listen to like these earning calls for these stocks and like I I just looked up positive words so I make sure when I'm listening to the calls that I could understand if they're saying positive or negative things so um, a lot of it was it was super interesting um, and I, I I learned so much even though like I never. When I graduated, I never intended to work in, you know, stock pitching or po- portfolio management. It kind of taught me how to, like, look at how things operate with, like, a different sense. You know, it's not just, oh, like, this company exists and it's working because it does. It's, like, what actually are we looking at? What external forces are there and stuff like that? So I've always been a big fan of seeing how, the, the you know, the bread is made. Always, like, little intricate stuff. So you're very good at dissecting and making sure, no, this is a junk bond. Or you could probably see through Neutron Jack Welch's black boxes of General Electric. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, I, I could give it my best try. But I uh, I was not I was not amazing uh, in that program. I, I, I remember you, like, you get... Uh, a extra little bonus to your your grade based on if like the the students in the the class decide that they want to buy the stock that you pitched and I think yeah I only got maybe two uh, because I would go too much into the weeds when I explained 
these different stocks and they're like we don't care about how the brazilian government operates just tell us about the stock you know so oh they were they didn't want to know the details of how you could where the risk was and... yeah well the risk definitely but more so like i would have to spend a lot of time explaining how it fits into like the certain locality or government or stuff like that before explaining the actual company that i was pitching because you need to understand that the prerequisite stuff um, and you only get a certain time i think it was like 20 minutes so once you spend seven minutes explaining brazil <laughs> people don't really care so they've, they've already tuned out they don't care what the tangible asset right. is that it makes right that's a bummer but it was really fun um okay. and i learned a lot and then you get to do the dorms or you got to skip the dorms because i know now you only have to be in the dorms one year. We had to be there for two. Yeah, so I, I actually, I believe that my, when I graduated, when they switch it to one year, some, sometime recently, because I had to do two, and it was, it was crazy. My first uh, semester, I was in O'Donnell, which is the, the notorious all-guys dorm in, uh, at Marquette. It used to be all girls. Yeah, I, I don't know when they like, switched it. It made no sense, but you could mm-hmm. tell it was a, it was a nasty uh, dorm because of all guys, so there was always gross stuff going on. But um, I ended up getting into a new dorm in Abbotsford my second semester and one of my best friends of all time now him and I became roommates and we had a three bedroom or three person dorm and it was just the two of us we called it the castle good times very good times (laughs) how could you stand O'Donnell I worked physical environment in the summer and everything is nailed down mm-hmm. in that building yeah like practically all the furniture you only could move the beds and maybe a couple chairs yeah it's the it, worst it, design ever it, it was brutal and it was always super hot and it was like the the color scheme was like a weird yellow so it kind of always felt depressing so the second i got out of there it was they got like, rid of the aqua yeah yep yeah, yeah which is funny uh they there was some place you could see when like uh, like the paint and stuff would be peeling and there'd be like aqua or different colors underneath it So they didn't even like try to get rid of the old stuff They just went painted over it and everything which is so that means they actively decided to switch to that gross yellow color mm. But it wasn't my doing we didn't paint O'Donnell very much in the summer. <laughs> But after I graduated that's when they did make this switch and we couldn't believe they were making McCormick co-ed Because mm-hmm. McCormick was a dump. Oh, yeah Oh yeah, it was like seven hundred young men trapped together in a beer can. Yep, and the rooms were like shaped like a pizza slice. I remember it. So like, yep. <laughs> it was like super tight when you walked through the door, and then it opened up. It was. It was originally like, supposed to be singles. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, eh, we'll put two people in there. Yeah, and then they had. I remember when I when I first started, they had like too many freshmen at one point because uh, I guess one dorm had like flooding or something like that. So they had in McCormick for some floors three people in a dorm. Yeah, that barely fit one person comfortably. Sounds like a submarine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a submersible. <laughs> and then you got out to an apartment. Did you live in the Marquette apartments? Because I know Marquette has expanded into the apartment business. Or did you take yeah. your chances with the various slumlords to the north? I took my chances with the slumlords, and you are not wrong. They were slumlords. Not only did they lie about everything, they didn't fix anything. I remember, like, we had um, my first apartment, we had, like, a shared washing machine, like, co- uh, coins. And all of them there was like six all six broke and they didn't fix them for maybe like three months ouch yeah yeah so i i was lucky because my parents lived nearby like 20 30 minutes i would just go up there and i would do my own laundry aka my mom would do it because she was very nice and loved doing it <laughs> loved doing it because every time i did it i would make them dirtier somehow so i still have that problem sometimes with the washing machine <laughs> wow i i'm picky about my clothes mm-hmm. so it goes back to when mom ruined my Mork from Ork shirt. Mm-hmm. So, and then you grew up, 
you were friends with Sean Reynolds, yeah, right? Yep, yep. Who is the cousin? Yeah, cousin of Gareth. Gareth, comedian Gareth Reynolds, co-star mm. of The Dollop, The mm. Pastimes, former writer for um, Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah. He wrote for Arrested Development, Hoops. Uh, he's working on another show. And you got to see his debut in a local commercial. Yeah, no, so it's funny. Um, he had come around a few times to like the family events that the Reynolds had. And one time I remember like he came around and everyone was super excited because he was on like a Taco Bell commercial, I believe it was. And we all watched it. And I remember it was super funny because it's just a commercial, but it finishes and we're all like, everyone's like clapping and whatnot. And it's just like, I was really young. So I was like, it's a commercial, like whatever kind of thing. But no, it was super cool. Um, and we would watch his like YouTube videos that he made. It was him and somebody else. I don't remember, but they have some really funny videos. So, um, it, it is funny looking back now. Cause gosh, I had to be like elementary middle school time when that was going on. So then when you brought him up, um, maybe a few months ago, I was like, Oh my gosh, wait, I, I know him. So yeah, he came to town to do his stand up. He's really good. Yeah. I doubt he would remember me because I was it was so long ago and so young. But. You'd be amazed. When we met, we ran into Dana Gould. He remembered who I was. So it's amazing the memory these people have. You'd think, oh, I made all these people. I'm not going to remember. It's ninety nine percent of celebrities are actually cool. Yeah, and they yeah. do remember you, especially if you're nice and you just talk to them as regular people. Yeah, that's actually what I learned when I was working, I worked for the Milwaukee Bucks and- Which we're getting to. Yeah, I, I learned that like 95% of those people are way nicer than you'd think, so. So how'd you get to work? Now let's tell the audience at home what you got to do for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, so I worked for them for about five years my first job with them, and it was my first job ever, I peaked. I was a team attendant, so, you know, layman's terms, a ball boy. So I would go to the games and like, maybe five hours before they start, I would help set up the locker room, help out the players with anything they need, and then usually we would rebound for the players while they do shoot around um, for maybe two hours. And then during the games, you would have different stuff. So for example, like there's people who run and mop the floors after like a free throw or after a player falls or whatnot. All the um, sweat. Yeah, yeah, I, ended up, I, I did that uh, my second year, which that's the fun job because you basically get to sit around and then like run out and talk to players like while they're waiting uh, <laughs> after a free throw. Um, then there's like giving like drinks to the players, which I did, which that was really fun too, because you know, it's like a timeout. They're all kind of, uh, in a weird energy cause they're either tired or, or, um, frustrated or happy cause they're winning, losing. And they just would say some weird stuff. Um, but I ended up getting that job because I had a friend who, uh, was like really close with somebody who also did it. And they ended up essentially telling me, Hey Jake, you love the Milwaukee Bucks. What? Like, this is how you uh, apply for it. Nobody knows about this. You should go do it. And Lo and behold, I, I ended up doing that for two uh, two years, and then I did a bunch of other stuff for them that was really fun, but not nearly as fun as that. So, and then they won the championship recently. Yeah, of course. Right as I left Wisconsin, they got amazing. I was actually there when Giannis was drafted and and Jabari, and um, man, Giannis was so funny because he barely spoke English, but he it was really funny because he was like my age when he was drafted, kind of. Um, maybe he was like a little bit older, but. <laughs> He would come around and he would try to talk to us, like the team attendants, uh, because we're like, you know, similar age. But then, you know, I was like six feet tall and he's like seven feet tall. And he's like, how was school today? And I'm like, what? I was like, go, go do something important. You, like, I'm not important enough to be talking to talk to you right now, you know, but they were, they were actually really sweet and nice. And um, they would, uh, a lot of the players would ask us like how school was because all the team attendants for the Milwaukee Bucks, which is not normal for other teams, but we were all high schoolers at the time. 
So um, it, it was really, really cool, really wholesome experience, ironically, because you'd think NBA players, you'd think divas, but no, everyone was super sweet. There was a few that were really mean, but they were um, notorious for being mean, so I wasn't surprised. It's, it's like everything else. It's always that very loud minority that gets all the attention that yep. you think, oh, they're all coke, snorting, rap. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever my grandparents would say. Um, a lot of them were like really wholesome family people too, because like after the game, uh, we'd help like either take their bags or whatever they have to do after, and their families would be there, and like they their eyes would light up when they see their kids, which was like super surprising because I would think, oh, they're exhausted after the game. Last thing they want to do is like hang out with like family and fans and whatnot. But they a lot of them did that, and it was super super cute. Yeah, contrary to popular belief, I learned this on NPR, NPR geek note again. <laughs> the average basketball player who makes it the NBA from the United States is from the Burbs. Really? Not the inner city, not from the farm. The average basketball player across the board is from the suburbs. So that would explain the attitude, the yeah. family. I think they would be excited to see their family because it's like any other road job. You mm -hmm. travel and so forth. So the back to the Marquette stuff, did you have any favorite bars, any favorite hangouts other than we'll get to real chili in a moment. Mm -hmm, yeah. But the bars I know have changed. The gym is now under the Ardmore Hotel. Yep. The the Avalanche is long gone. Yeah, no, I so I actually didn't turn twenty one until my senior year. So I was uh, I frequented uh, partying at uh, people's dorms and apartments. So but uh once once I turned twenty one and I didn't have to uh sneaking anywhere we went to Moe's a lot because uh, they had like five dollar days where you spend five bucks it's all you can drink very bad idea to do in wisconsin by the way there's a lot of people who were throwing up and doing stuff um we went to mikey's a lot because they had dollar bombs on wednesdays which pour one out for mikey's it's no longer there unfortunately um and um I'm trying to think what else. What, what was the? I, I'm. I, it's eluding me. The name of the restaurant that was right by Real Chili. Um, Start with an S. Oh, that that wouldn't be. That would have been my time. There was. Uh, some, there was Giuliano's or Giuliano's. Mm -hmm. There was. There was a place that did what was called Mexican food in Milwaukee. There was O'Donohue's. There was Haggerty's, mm -hmm. which I think might still be there. Yeah, it's part Haggerty's of an office building. There, yeah. yeah, that was the grad student bar. This is this is gonna it's gonna kill me what it is. They actually recently just shut down, which is unfortunate. But they used to have on, um, I believe it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I want to say they had five dollar pitchers, and we would go there a lot um, before like you know going out or doing something. So, um, but yeah, no, it a lot a lot has changed. Even in the time I was there, a lot of stuff was you know shut down or or new things were built and whatnot. It's kind of crazy because you don't think of Milwaukee as fast growing, but the city has grown so much in like the last 10 years, especially with the whole downtown Deer District is what it's called now with all the different stuff being built around the new stadium, the Pfizer Forum, so. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I always thought Wells Avenue was pretty static compared to Guadalupe, which is mm -hmm. UT's equivalent, but I think if you've lived here long, you'll see how Guadalupe is constantly changing versus, yeah. and that's what happened with Wells. So then, uh, but it's nice and real chilly, it remains mm -hmm. a constant. The, the day that Real Chili closes is the day I die. I can't live in a world knowing Real Chili yeah. isn't there. <laughs> if, if Real Chili's going to shut down, i got to go there one more time for one last oyster cracker fight. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I was actually joking with my dad because uh, I was at Real Chili a few weeks ago when I was home. And 
saying I, I'll, I'll have my wedding ceremony here kind of thing. I, I love it, you know. And Get them to cater. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. That, that would be a bad idea because if you have ever had real chili, you understand that you probably will need to use the restroom very quickly after having it. So if you have it at a wedding, yeah, with like 100 people, probably not the safest. <laughs> but I love it. It's 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 to me it feels like home it's what reminds me of wisconsin every time i go back yeah or how midwestern cuisine works mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I make it here now and then and uh, if you want to come over to my house by the time we'll give it a, a shot you know, we get the pasta going mm -hmm. and you have to teach texans that you have to have beans and chili they're no it's meat only uh, where we come from, that's called spaghetti sauce. Yep, yep, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll have it, but it's spaghetti sauce. So. Yeah, you got to have a little nutrition here, please. <laughs> and uh, it's even great when you're sober. Yeah, well. <laughs> and you get the cheese and the onions, sour cream. Yep, oh, big time. Lots of oyster crackers to soak up that grease. Mm -hmm. Just mix it around and mmm. Yeah, no, I miss, I miss the days when I was in college, and if it's like 2 a.m. and real chili would close at 3 the people that were there would let you have the oyster cracker fights like you mentioned and they always had the rule where if you threw the crackers and they went over like the, the table bar thing and into the chili they kick you out mm. and my friend who should have like had much better accuracy somehow became like the worst man like the least accurate thrower ever every time we went there he got kicked out three different times for trying to chuck crackers at me and it just somehow would whip off into the chili and they'd have to like kick him out and it was so it's it's there's something so endearingly wholesome and funny and also embarrassing watching your friend get kicked out of real chili at 2 30 a.m because he's a horrible throw but i miss those days and it turns out he's the only one that's sober yeah <laughs> yeah well is there anything else you want to share with the fine people in internet land there we do have one listener in the netherlands one in switzerland uh some in the middle east yep um anything you want to say to everybody else i i think uh one thing that whenever I talk about my life, it reminds me of is that it's, it's fun to constantly pursue opportunities and explore the world that you inhabit. You don't need to always kind of sit in one place and be comfy. Um, so what I would like to share, you can do that if you want to, but I think it's really nice to like follow different opportunities, whether that means, you know, moving away, you don't have to do something as big as that, you know, find a different job or meeting new people or jumping on a podcast and doing something you haven't done before. Um, so I think if there's anything to take away from, what I've been trying to do with my life is that uh, the fun starts outside of your comfort zone. Well, thank you so much, Jake. It's yeah. been great to have you on. Yeah, absolutely. It's been great to be on. All right. Uh, we hope to be back soon with another guest that won't fall through because they got called away at the last minute to return to the <laughs> Middle East. But I want to thank you all for your patience. And until next time, bye. <laughs>